One, two. One, 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 two, one. One, two, three, four. This is not working. Good afternoon, we're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland, continuing. We're a local congregation and we meet at Two Thornwood Terrace. That's just up Dumbarton Road. 
when you come to the police station, if you go up the hill opposite the police station, you'll come first of all to Thornwood Primary School. We are next door at the crossroads and we would extend a warm welcome to you all to come along and to hear something concerning the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We meet on the Lord's Day, that is Sunday at 11 a.m. and we also meet in the early evening at 6 p.m. and you're welcome to come along to any of these services. We also have a, a midweek meeting on Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. and we extend a warm welcome to you to come along to any of these services. And it may well be that you're not accustomed to going to a Christian place of worship, or maybe you've got out of the habit of it, whatever, please feel free to come along and to hear something concerning the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have some good news to tell you, friends. Yes, even in this day that we live in, there is good news. And this good news has come from heaven, from God himself. You see, God has seen our predicament. He has seen our plight. And he has done something about it. And you may well ask then, what has God done? And what is our plight? What is our problem? Well, our problem is quite clear. It's a problem that affects the whole of mankind. What is that problem? The problem is your and my sin, our own personal sin. You see, we are sinners. We are estranged and separated from God. And what that means, quite simply, is we don't have the relationship with our Creator that we should have. If we go back to the very beginning, if we go back to when God created the heaven and the earth, and then on the sixth day, He created mankind. He created our first parents. Who are they? Our first parents are Adam and Eve. Now, Adam was created from the dust. And Eve, his wife, was created from Adam. But the point that we want to establish with you this afternoon is that when our first parents were created, they were created perfect. The Bible teaches us God created man, male and female, after his own image, in knowledge, righteousness and holiness. 
and we would notice a number of things in what the Bible teaches us, but primarily for our occasion this afternoon, we want to notice that when Adam and Eve were created, they were created perfect. And because they were created perfect, they were able to have a wonderful relationship with their Creator. There was no obstacle. You know yourself, sometimes when you have a good friend, you have a good relationship with that good friend. But if something was to happen that would mar or spoil that relationship, then you know that you're not able to speak to that person as you once were able because the relationship has been changed because of an incident, because of an argument, because of some dispute or some misunderstanding. Well, when God created Adam and Eve, they were created perfect and they had unrestricted access and fellowship and communion with their Creator God. Now, how long that lasted, we cannot be certain. We don't know. But one day, God's enemy came and began to tempt Eve. Adam had been given a very clear commandment. You're not to eat of the fruit of the tree of good and evil. God had placed Adam in a garden called Paradise and everything was laid on for him. He had nothing to do but simply to tend to the garden. But God gave him this clear and simple commandment in order to test whether he loved him or not. Now the evil one knew about this commandment and he came and he tempted Eve. He basically said, did God really say that? God knows that if you eat that fruit, then you'll become like God. In other words, the devil wanted Eve to believe that God was in some sense keeping her back and she wouldn't reach her full potential unless she ate the forbidden fruit. What happened? Well, Eve did eat the fruit. And she gave some to Adam, her husband. And from that moment in time, sin came into existence as far as human beings were concerned. And that wonderful relationship that I spoke about earlier was all changed. It was all gone. They no longer had communion and fellowship with God.
things had changed. <coughs> things had changed so much that Adam and Eve hid from God. Instead of running to Him, they hid from Him. Why? Because they knew they were guilty. Sin had entered into their existence. Their relationship with their Creator God had changed for the worse. And now they were guilty before God. And because we've all come from Adam and Eve, they are our first parents. There is only one race. It is the human race. And we've all come from our first parents. And therefore, because they sinned, they became sinners. And their whole nature changed. And we have inherited that sinful nature. So that every one of us, even when we are conceived in the womb, we have this sinful nature. And when we're brought into this world, that sinful nature will manifest itself. It will show itself. It will reveal itself. It reveals itself in thoughts and in words and in deeds. And you can see it in your own children. I can see it in my children. Your children, when they come into this world, it won't be long before they start to show evidence of their sinful nature. They will fight. They will lose their temper. They will be disobedient. Why does this happen? It happens because they have a sinful nature. Just like their parents. Just like their first parents, Adam and Eve. Now that is a great problem. It's a problem as far as God is concerned because He does not have that relationship with His creatures that He wants, that He desires. But God recognizing our plight, our problem, and recognizing that we couldn't deal with it ourselves, God has done something wonderful. He has sent His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And He's the one who has dealt with our problem. You may well ask, and indeed it is a good question to ask, how can Jesus deal with our greatest problem? Well, He dealt with it by coming to this world and being just like us. The Son of God, the second person, in the Holy Trinity, took upon Himself our form and our nature <coughs> and became just like us. He lived in this world. It's not fucking real. Oh dear, what a terrible language. Terrible language from a young lady. 
Out of the heart the mouth speaketh, and our language will betray what's really inside us. And when we hear foul language, it's only clear evidence that the heart itself has been affected by sin. And this is our great problem. Our problem is the heart. Our very nature has been defiled. And that nature reveals itself. It reveals itself in terrible thoughts. Sometimes these thoughts become actions. When a murderer murders, what happens? He thinks about the murder beforehand. When someone blasphemes, that comes out of the heart. When someone curses and swears, it reveals the heart itself is wrong. And you know, friends, the Bible tells us that God demands truth in the inward parts. God is a God who looks inwardly. He sees us as we really are. And we cannot hide from God. We can put up morally upright lives so that the law of the land has nothing to say against us. We are upright as far as the police are concerned and as far as the judges and the law of this land is concerned. But as far as God is concerned, he says something different. What does he say? You'll find it in the Bible. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's a verse for every one of us. Some people say the Bible's hard to understand. I think the real problem is that we don't like the message of the Bible. I think that is our real problem. The Bible can be difficult in certain sections, but basically the message of the Bible is abundantly clear. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It also says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Here in that verse, we're told the price of sin, the penalty of sin. Sin seems attractive to us. The fornicator likes to fornicate because it pleases him or her. The drunkard likes his drink because it satisfies his lusts. But there is a price to be paid. The wages of sin is death. And therefore we bless God that in His wonderful grace and mercy He has sent forth the Lord Jesus Christ in order that He might die in our room and in our place. 
You see, the Christian gospel would tell us that Jesus Christ has suffered and died in our room and in our place. Christ, who came to this world, who lived a perfect life, he could not sin. It was impossible for him. The only person that ever lived a sinless life, yet he died as a sinner. Why is that? Because God imputed the sins of his people upon Jesus Christ the Lord. God was punishing Christ instead of his people. God was treating Christ as a sinner and punishing him instead of his people. And you know, friends, here is the rub, here is the point of all our proclamation that you are to put your trust upon Jesus Christ. You are to call upon him. He alone can forgive your sins. He alone can get you righteous in the sight of God. He alone, none other, the Virgin Mary cannot save you. Your priest cannot save you. The Pope, he cannot save you. Muhammad, he cannot save. Only Jesus Christ. Confucius cannot save. None whatsoever. None but Jesus Christ the Lord. For he's the one who came and suffered and died in the room and in the place of sinners. <coughs> We're glad to be here this afternoon. We're here from Partick, Free Church of Scotland continuing. We're going to take a short break to recharge our batteries, but we trust that the Lord will be pleased to bless his word to you this afternoon.
1. Hello, sir. How are you? Oh, well, um, not too bad. I was 75 yesterday, so... Right. I'm not a youngster anymore. But, no. But, uh, um, I, I found that... Uh, it was actually only on Monday that I passed by a newspaper stand that I noticed there was problems and new problems in uh, Israel. Oh, well, and, yeah. And, uh, Yes, it's it's not very pleasant. It's not a very. Uh, anyway, I'll carry on, see what I can do for a few moments. Good to see you, sir. <coughs> Hello again. Hello. We're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland, uh, continuing a local congregation. We meet at Two Thornwood Terrace. Upton Barton Road, and you'll come to the police station. Opposite the police station, go up the hill, and you'll come to Thornwood Primary School. And once you come to the school, you'll meet our building on the crossroads. You're welcome to come along. We meet every Lord's Day, that Sunday at 11 a.m. and in the early evening at 6 p.m. And we also meet on Wednesday evening at 7.30 p.m. A warm welcome to you all to come along where you might hear something more about the Lord Jesus Christ. We're glad you're able to join with us this afternoon. We tend to come out on a Friday afternoon to do some open-air work. This week we're at uh, Buchanan Street in Glasgow City Centre. <coughs> now why did we come out? Well, we come out because we have a, a glorious message to proclaim. Now what is that message? Well that message can be summed up in maybe one verse that we find in God's Word, the Bible. John chapter 3, verse 16. You might know it. What does that verse say? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now that, friends, is a glorious message. It's a message that has come 
down from heaven. It is God's message to mankind and it is God's message <coughs> to us this afternoon on Buchanan Street. And it reminds us that we need to be saved. That's why Jesus Christ came. The Son of Man has come in order to seek and to save that which was lost. And here is maybe one of the first problems that we have to encounter and deal with. What is it? Well, it is the fact that every one of us, by nature, are lost in the sight of God. What does it mean then to be lost in the sight of God? Well, what it means is that we are sinners. We're sinners in the sight of a holy God. And God is indeed infinitely holy. The Bible describes God like this. Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil and canst not look upon iniquity. That's the God of the Bible. That's the God who made you and formed you. That's the God with whom you have to do with. Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil and canst not look upon iniquity. God is a holy God. God is a God that hates sin. And therefore we see we have a real problem, a pressing problem. Why? Because the Bible tells us again, and we seek to teach what we find in God's Word, we are not simply expressing our opinion. Instead, we are seeking to articulate what is found in God's Word. And the Bible tells us, For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have been made for a purpose and we fail to make or reach that purpose. Why? Because we are sinners. The Bible would teach us man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Many people today think life is meaningless. There's no purpose in life to many people today. And that's not surprising because if you believe in evolution, there is no point in life. And since most of the people today believe in evolution, it's hardly surprising then that multitudes today think there's no purpose in life. After all, 
If we've come from nothing, we're going to nothing. After all, if there is no God, we don't need to worry. But, of course, we know that that is absolute nonsense. Absolute nonsense. How do we know that's nonsense? Because nothing can come from nothing. That is a scientific fact. Nothing can come from nothing. And therefore, the very fact that there is something tells us there is a creator. This world here, the world that we're on, the world that we live in for a a few years. Where did this world come from? Many scientists will try to tell us that it has come from some great big bang. Well, I'm sure you've heard about great big bangs and you know that nothing, nothing orderly, nothing but confusion comes from an explosion. But somehow, we are led to believe that the world that we know here has, at the beginning, come about as the result of a great big bang. Absolute, utter nonsense. And we might say, absolute, unscientific nonsense. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. He is the great creator. And he's the one who has made us and formed us and brought us into being. And he's the one who is in charge of us. <coughs> now we're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland continuing with a local congregation with a Scottish registered charity and we're out this afternoon in order to tell you something about the work and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ the Son of God who came down to this world in order to suffer and to die in order to provide a salvation for his people. No thanks, I'm quite happy to keep speaking, thank you. And the Bible tells us, look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. And the prophet Isaiah, when he wrote this, was not speaking about himself. He was speaking about another. He was speaking about the Son of God, who in the fullness of time would come. Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else.
And we come out, friends, to tell you about this person, the Lord Jesus Christ, because the Bible tells us that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How can you possibly call upon someone you don't know anything about? And that's why we come out, in order to tell you about this person. And before really we can tell you about this person, we must tell you why you need him. Every one of us needs him, without a doubt. Why? Because there is none righteous, no, not one. We've all, like sheep, we've all gone astray. For there is no difference for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all sinned, and therefore, if we remain in that state, we will end up in that terrible place that the Bible calls hell. You see, friends, when we pass into eternity, we will go to one of two places. We will either go to heaven to be with Christ, which is far better, we are told, or we shall go to that place that has been prepared for the devil and for his angels. Where will you go when your time is up? When God will call you, when he will take your breath from you. We're all mortal, as you know. I don't have to tell you that. Maybe I have to remind you, but you know it. We're all mortal. The day will come when we shall be gathered to our fathers. We will go the way of all the earth. Where will you go? That's the the title of one of the tracts we're handing out this afternoon. Where will you go? We can dismiss this now, but we have to face it one day. We cannot avoid it. As someone said rightly, no sir, that's not a very nice thing to say to someone you don't know anything about. And to call God's word like that is a terrible thing. So where are you going to go when death comes? It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. How will you fare on that awesome and terrible day. Well, friends, on that day, I'll tell you, you will want a Savior. You might not want a Savior now. You might be happy in your sin, but one day will come when you will want a Savior. But on the day of judgment, it will be too late. Now, it's the day of salvation.
Now is the time. That's what the Bible teaches us. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Corinthians, said, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Do we realize how, how blessed and how privileged we are to have this message of salvation proclaimed to us? Do you realize that it is a great blessing that God has bestowed upon us that we have this message of God's mercy, of God's grace being proclaimed unto us this afternoon? Do we realize what a wonderful privilege it is to have God's Word, to be able to read God's Word, to have God's complete and final revelation for us? Friends, now is the day of salvation. Now is the time to get right with God. Now is the time to repent. Now is the time to forsake your sins. Now is the time to get right with God. You don't know how many days you have left. We're here today and we're gone tomorrow. And there's no repentance after death. None whatsoever. This is the day of grace. This is the time when you have opportunity to close in with Christ, to receive Him as He is freely offered to you in the Gospel. That's not a very nice thing to say, sir. Not a very nice thing. That's a terrible thing. Out of the heart the mouth speaketh. Out of the heart the mouth speaketh. And when people speak with foul language, it proves that the heart is not right. And God demands truth in the inward parts. God is concerned with our hearts. And the Bible would tell us that by nature, our hearts are sinful. And that's why we need a Savior. And that Savior is the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. And we come out this afternoon in order that we might be enabled to proclaim this message to you. That for the time that you might put your faith and hope and trust upon Him. Recently we were reading from Matthew chapter 8. And it's a chapter that follows after Jesus had delivered arguably the greatest sermon that was ever preached. You might have heard about it. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount. And when he came down from the mountain, what happened to him? He encountered a leper. Now, a leper in biblical times was someone who was under basically a death sentence. Leprosy was incurable. 
and only God could cure a leper. And that's why when the leper realized that he had leprosy, he had to deal with the, the priest because the priest was God's representative because it was recognized that only God could cure leprosy. Well, Jesus encountered this leper and he came up to Jesus. In fact, he knelt before him and he said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. What do you think Jesus said to him? Remember, leprosy was contagious. Well, Jesus said, I am willing. And he was immediately healed. The leper received his healing from the Lord Jesus Christ instantly. Now, friends, we don't have that same kind of leprosy here today. But we have something far, far worse than this leprosy. We have our own disease. What's it called? It's called sin. Every one of us has this deadly disease. And if it's not treated, it will cause us to die eternally. The leper would die physically. But those with this sin disease will die eternally. And we cannot deal with this disease ourselves. We don't have the desire. We don't have the will. We don't have the ability. But Jesus Christ can. Leprosy first begins inside the individual. It works away inside. And then after a period, it manifests itself outwardly on the body. Sin is exactly the same. Sin has first and foremost affected us inwardly. Our very natures are sinful. And because our natures are sinful, our actions, our thoughts, and our very words are sinful. Now, sin is a powerful thing. But blessed be God, He has dealt with it. He has dealt with it in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, being the eternally begotten Son of God, became a man. He assumed a human nature. He had a true body and a reasonable soul just like any other human. He lived a perfect life. A perfect life. He did not sin in thought or in word or in deed. He is the only person that ever lived 
a perfect life. And because he lived a perfect life, he was then able to offer up a perfect sacrifice. And that's what he did. He offered up a perfect sacrifice. And this was God's way of dealing with mankind's sin. Because the sin of the world was imputed to the Lord Jesus Christ. He became sin. He didn't become a sinner. That was impossible for him. But he became sin. And that's why he began to sweat great drops of blood at Gethsemane when it became clear and evident to him what was required of him in order to save his people. The enormity of the task was becoming clear to him. And then, when he was nailed to the cross, the sins of mankind were imputed unto him. So that he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was, in some sense, for the first time ever, forsaken of the Father. Why? Because he became sin. And because the Father is pure and holy, he could not look upon his Son. But friends, that is good news for us. Because Jesus Christ there on the cross was suffering and dying in the room and place of sinners. He was being condemned. And here is the, the good news of the Christian gospel. When you put your faith and hope and trust upon Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. They are wiped clean forever. Why? Because Jesus has been condemned in your room and in your place. And because God is just, He cannot demand payment twice. He cannot possibly do it. He's a just God. He's an upright God. And if Jesus has paid the price, then the price has been paid. What must you do? You must repent. You must be baptized. You must believe the gospel. You must turn from your sins. That's what you must do. And you must believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And this message, friends, is relevant to us today here in the 21st century. In the 13th of October, 2023, this message is still relevant and still important to every one of us. Why? Because we have all sinned.
and come short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us there is none righteous, no, not one. None whatsoever. And therefore we're all guilty before God. And because we're guilty before God, we need a Savior. Otherwise, we will be punished for our own sin. What a thought that would be to face God in our sinfulness, to give account for every wrong thought, every wrong word, and every evil action. That's what's before us if we don't believe and accept what Jesus Christ has done for us on our behalf. We're glad to be here from Partick Free Church of Scotland continuing. We're going to take a short break. We hope the Lord will follow with His blessing upon the preaching of His Word. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm not good. I'm not dismissing you, but this this is nothing to do with oh, that. No, no, no. But, you, but your actual communication thing is, that, is, is it one of these things? Is it work the same? Well, well, it might. It might. It might. If that's the if that's where the fault is, it will work because all it is is transferring the, the audio down the pipe. Uh, and these are new ones, so they are all, they're okay. I don't think it is actually quite honest. But it, you can put it in. No. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, that's it. Right, try it. Yeah, try the mouthpiece. Well, you know, the, this is it here. Hold up. These are the Apple ones, because they are pretty good. One, two, three, four, five. Batteries in? Well, the battery's in. The... Well, it's, it wasn't on, but it's on. One, two, three, four. No. Did you give it a twirl in here? Just, you know, because you did this last time. Nothing. Nothing, no. It... It's, it's, it's on, yeah, it's, it is on. The green light's on. I, I, as I say that, I don't. No, they are, they are. Ah, but that's just when I took it out. Yeah. One two, one two, one two. One two, one two. Hi. One two, one two, one two. No. One two. It's... Yeah, that indicates that it's live, you know, going into that, but you may well. It's, it's connected by the, the Wi Fi, isn't it? It's radio, radio right, control. Radio, yeah. radio control. That I don't know. Well, it's worth a try, yeah. Yeah. But your, 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 uh, I notice your voice is getting better because uh, I had suffered from that sometimes with its projection. As oh. you do, as you do a live thing without a microphone, initially you struggle, but then it's like a lot of singers used to do. They have to uh, learn the technique of the uh, the breath and the audio, uh, and you know it's it's harder. It is. It's really hard. It's much harder.
Good afternoon. We're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland, continuing a local congregation. We minister at 2 Thornwood Terrace, Upton Barton Road, and when you come to the police station, opposite the police station, go up the hill. You'll come first of all to Thornwood Primary School, and we are next door at the crossroads, and we would extend a a warm welcome to you to come along any Lord's Day that Sunday at 11 a.m. or in the early evening at 6 p.m. And we also have a, a midweek meeting. We meet on Wednesday evening at 7.30 p.m. And we seek to come out in obedience to the command of the Lord Jesus Christ who commissioned his his uh, apostles and disciples to go out and to proclaim the gospel <clears throat> we might like to read that commission as we find it in the last chapter of Matthew's gospel go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Well, friends, the apostles and the disciples of the first century were obedient to the commission and they fulfilled it as best as they could. But we want to take up our part and we want to come out this afternoon to come away from our studies, come away from our manses and to come away from our church buildings and away from our pulpits and to come out to the street where people are that we might bring this message to them. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And as the Apostle Paul goes on to acknowledge of whom I am the chief. There we have the very reason for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world. You and I have come into the world and we've come into the world by ordinary generation. I don't need to give you a lesson in these matters. You know exactly how we come into this world. But the Lord Jesus came in in a different manner. In what way was it different? He was conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary by a miraculous operation of God, the Holy Spirit. 
Now this is important. Had he come by ordinary generation, he would have inherited original sin. And he would have been a sinner just like everyone else. But the fact that he was conceived by a miraculous operation of the Holy Spirit guaranteed that he had no original sin. And therefore, when he was conceived, he was conceived perfectly. And when he was born in the normal manner, there was nothing unusual about his birth, but when he was born, he was sinless. And therefore, he lived a sinless life. This is important because only a sinless Savior could save us. That's why God sent his Son. He didn't send an angel. He sent his Son, his only begotten Son, his sinless Son. And he lived a sinless life. And then at the end of his life, having been rejected by the people and handed over to Pontius Pilate that he might be crucified, there it was all part of God's plan in order that he might provide a way of salvation, a way whereby our sins, the penalty for them could be paid and met for. And Jesus was the one who died in our room and in our place. He paid the price of sin, the penalty of sin. What is that penalty, you may well ask? Well, the Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. That's why we have... Jesus believes in me. Does he? Yes. Why? I created the No. I don't think so, sir. I don't think so. I don't think so. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. He is the great creator. And in the beginning, what do we find? God created man, male and female, after his own image, in knowledge, righteousness and holiness. You know, many people tell us that the Bible's out of date. Well, the Bible's bang up to date. It's telling us things that are in the culture wars that we find today. We have politicians who cannot tell the difference between a man and a woman. And we have people telling us that we can change our gender. What does the Bible say? God created man, male and female, after his own image. 
and therefore there are only two genders. And we cannot change our gender. It is impossible. We can wear different clothing, we can take drugs, we can go through surgery, but we cannot change our sex or our gender. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And in the beginning, God created man, male and female, after his own image, in knowledge, righteousness and holiness, with dominion over the creatures. And our first parents were created perfectly, but they sinned. And from that time they became sinners, and they had a sinful nature. And that sinful nature has been passed on to all of us. But there was one exception, and that exception is Jesus Christ. He had no sin. He knew no sin. He could not sin. And therefore he was qualified to offer up a sacrifice, a perfect sacrifice of himself in order to pay the penalty for mankind's sin. And therefore, friends, we are to realize that this Savior that we proclaim to you this afternoon is the only one who can save us, the only one, no one else. If we're following anyone else, we shall be disappointed Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. No one goes to heaven. No one will be in heaven with the Father. No one will be in glory unless we have Christ as our Savior. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave his life a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Salvation is found in none other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's no other way to be saved, no other way to be right with God, no other way to have your sins forgiven, none but Christ. And friends, we have a great encouragement to call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else, it is said in, thy, in his word. And that's referring to the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, for none can save but him alone. Wherefore, the Bible says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men,
for that all have sinned. There would be no death if there was no sin. Sin is something foreign to us. It was not part of God's original plan. It is something foreign. But blessed be God, God has done something about it. He has sent forth his Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the God-appointed Savior, and there is no other Savior. There is no other way to get right with him. And all our problems that we find in this world today can ultimately be traced to this simple fact that we have sinned. Everything can be traced to the fact that mankind has sinned and he is separated and estranged from his creator God. But God has done something about it. He looked upon us, he saw us lost, he saw us perishing, he saw us without hope, he saw us heading towards a lost eternity, and he did something about it. He sent forth his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to seek and to save that which was lost. The Bible tells us, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Remember now thy Creator, especially in the days of thy youth, but you are to remember your Creator at whatever stage of life you're at. Because one day, friends, you're going to meet your Creator. You're going to have an audience with God. And you are going to give an account, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done. Therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. That's why we come out, because that great and terrible day will come when you will stand before King Jesus. Today, we proclaim him to you as the Savior. But one day, friends, he shall be the judge. And you don't want to meet Christ as a judge. You want to meet him as your Savior. Well, today is the day of salvation. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Come, therefore, come to him. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's what he says. That's a gospel invitation. 
repent and believe the gospel. Turn away from your sins. Turn away from your adultery. Turn away from fornication. Turn away from looking at pornography. Turn away from your drinking. Turn away from your drug abuse. Turn away from your homosexuality. Turn away from your stealing, from your lying, from your cheating. Turn away from your sins. Repent and believe the gospel. Believe the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Call upon Him. Call upon Him. He alone can save. None can save but Christ. And you know what, friends? He is willing. He is willing. He will save. Paul says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of acceptation that Christ Jesus come into the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief, he said. And therefore there is hope for all of us. We are to forsake our sins. We are to call upon him and he will receive us. Oh, very brave, very brave. You won't do that on Judgment Day. You won't do that on Judgment Day. When you stand before King Jesus and give account, you won't behave like that. You'll be silent. Your tongue will stick to the top of your mouth. You will be silent and he will usher the terrible sentence, Depart from me, ye cursed, unless you repent, unless you turn. Friends, there is the message. The gospel is clear. We're sinners. We need a Savior. Time is short. Death is coming. Eternity is round the corner. We need to close in with Christ today. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, the Bible says, and let him return and he will find mercy with God. We're going to draw our time to a close. It's good to be with you this afternoon, but may God bless his word to you.